Welcome to Joyful Eating. I'm your host, Jules Clancy, a former food scientist and winemaker turned cookbook author and health coach. I've discovered a simple way to have a joyful relationship with food without sacrificing pleasure or my waistline, and I can help you get there too. Listen on to find out how. and welcome to Joyful Eating episode number 49. So I've got a fun one for you today. We're going to be talking about the three phases of cooking mastery. But first, of course, I need to share with you my best bite that I've had. And this week, I've been working on um, some like recipes in the slow cooker because on Monday nights, I, I have a coaching call and so I kind of need to like coach and then have dinner straight after that. And so I've been, yeah, having fun playing around with my slow cooker. My, so on Monday night, we had really simple version of Mapu tofu, tofu which is um, Mapo tofu. I'm not sure how you say it. It's a, like a Chinese dish, which is usually like spiced minced pork cooked in with tofu and it's just like really flavorsome, lots of umami, like delicious. So I just did um, some ground pork in the slow cooker with oyster sauce, firm tofu, and just let it, left it cooking all day. So then when I finished work, all I had to do was just, just chuck some noodles on. So some of those like your shelf stable, wok ready noodles and put the lid back on the slow cooker and let them steam for a couple of minutes. And then so served it with the noodles and the mince and the tofu for the boys. And then I had my and just pick some bok choy from the garden and had it with some sriracha and some Szechuan chili peppers to give it a bit of spice. And it was so, so delicious. Plan for today. Let's talk about... So first of all, I'm going to take you on a little, little bit of a journey. So I'm going to share exactly how I learned to cook, like my all those many years ago, how I became so good at cooking. And then I'm going to take you through three distinct phases that everyone goes through when you're learning to cook. I think it's really helpful to identify, you know, what those phases are. And so you can listen, when you're listening to that, just be thinking about which phase are you in. And then we're going to talk about the like essential skills that take you from phase one to phase two to phase three. And yet it's really simple. It's surprising like how few skills you actually need to become a good cook. Like it seems like this big thing, Uh, but we'll go through those and then I'll wrap it up with a key takeaway. So First, how exactly how I learned to cook. So when I was growing up, like my mum was an amazing cook and she, you know, just cooked all the time. And so I didn't really cook much when I was growing up. Like, like I did help her out a bit, but not not a lot. Um, I did make desserts. So that was one thing that I did learn to cook. And I was like good at following recipes and making fancy sweet treats. And then when I um then I went to uni and I was living on campus, so I didn't need to cook. And then when I moved out and was actually living in my first share house, uh, you know, I got my mom to teach me a couple of things. So like I knew how to make spaghetti bolognese and tuna dish, which is like our favorite like tuna mornay pasta. And I think that was pretty much it. But you know, in that share house, we had it, we took turns in cooking and we started to like, you know, play around with recipes. And so pretty much I got really interested in cooking and following recipes. And I started buying um Australian Gourmet Traveler magazine, which I love. And, you know, I'd spend a lot of time like looking at my recipes, deciding what I was going to cook, having getting elaborate shopping lists, like spending a lot of time cooking dinner, but which was fine, you know, and I enjoyed it and it was great. But of course, there'd be times where uh, it was a bit of a struggle and 
you know, I would be going to like 10 different stores just to get all the ingredients that I needed for the week. Like, and it did take a lot of time, but at the time I had time, so it was, it wasn't a problem, but I was really heavily reliant on recipes. And so much so that when, um, I used to like, I had, I had a folder of all my favorite gourmet traveler recipes that I used to just take with me from place to place. If I went away for the weekend, I'd be taking my recipe folder, you know, I was going to be cooking. And even like when I was traveling, like I went and was working in California when I was, this is my winemaking days, I actually set up a blog. Like it was before blogs. It was like, I set up this website. I can't even remember what it was called, but it was, there was a way that you could set up your own web page. So my, um, my boyfriend at the time was uh, into computer science and so he knew about the internet and stuff. And this was a very, this is like 1998 or something, um, early 2000, maybe 2000. And so, yeah, I actually set up a website called Jules the Grape Juice Junkie for me to store my recipes on when I was traveling. Like I was so heavily reliant on them. So I, what, this was back in my winemaking days when I, so I was winemaking in California. And so, yeah, like pretty much, you know, by following recipes, I got to explore a heap of different things. I learned a lot about cooking, but it took a lot of time and effort. And then what happened was I moved to the Barossa Valley and I had a winemaking job where I was like this assistant winemaker at this winery. And it was like vintage time, which is like a really full on time where it's just like, you're just working like every hour of the day, you're either sleeping or you're working. It's physically really demanding work. And of course, it's in the country. So it's not like you can just duck to the store and get lunch. Like you have to bring your own food. So um, what I found was I just didn't have time for my recipes and I didn't have time to like decide what I was going to cook and shop with the shopping list. My one treat during vintage was they have a, a fantastic farmer's market in the Barossa. So that was my one treat on Saturday mornings. I made sure I had Saturday morning off and I'd go to the farmer's market, get a coffee, get an egg and bacon roll and just buy some produce for the week and just make. And then I just had to figure out how to cook quickly and efficiently and not rely on my all my elaborate recipes. And what I found is that I started to create kind of template recipes in my mind or what I now would call like muscle memory recipes. So like figure out, okay, well, if I want to make a curry, what are the elements that I need in a curry? And so then I would be like, okay, I've got this broccoli and I've got some coconut milk, like I'd be able to make a curry without going to a recipe. So that's pretty much how I taught myself to cook, like just by breaking it down and creating like these templates in my mind. If I wanted to make a salad, this is what I would need. And just building a repertoire of like muscle memory meals that I could just cook and I could substitute in things depending on what I had available, what I had in the fridge or the freezer or what it felt like. And it just became this, like I just became this really intuitive, joyful cook during that like crazy busy period. And then of course, you know, the rest is history. I've gone on to be creating recipes and doing that for a really long time. So that that's my story. And so let's look now at like the kind of three phases of cooking mastery that happen. And so basically like First of all, you start out, you're a non-cook and you don't know how to cook and you, you don't cook. Then the second phase is being uh, like where you, what exactly what I did, where you're a recipe cook, where you follow recipes and you take the time and you, you cook. And then the final stage is this stage where I'm at now, where you're an intuitive cook, where you can just walk into the kitchen. So I'll just go a bit deeper into the, like what each of those phases looks like so that you can think about like, where are you at now? So if you're a non-cook, like you know you're a non-cook because you don't cook, <laughs> it's pretty pretty simple. But like, you know, you're relying on Uber Eats, you're relying on drive-through, you're relying on you know, ready meals from the supermarket.
supermarket or you're having cereal crackers and you know cheese and crackers for dinner. And the mindset of someone who's a non-cookie is like they see cooking as like it's hard. They see it as a chore. You know, you there's the thought is the I just don't have the energy to cook. And when you're a non-cook, like you're just falling for this myth of convenience that it's more convenient to buy food than it is to actually prepare it myself. So that's the non-cook. Then the recipe cook. So, you know, you're pretty much, you know, whether you're following recipes or not. But if you're in that, this second phase of recipe phase, it's like you're relying on recipes. So you have to look at the recipe before shopping or cooking. So, you know, when it comes time to cook dinner, you, ha- you don't just walk into the kitchen and start cooking. You have to look at the recipe first. And when you're a recipe cook, like deciding what to cook takes time and energy because you're going to, you've got all these recipes, all these ideas, and it can be fun, but it can also be quite overwhelming. And the other thing with you is like, you've got, you're going shopping with your list. And when you get out to the market, like if you see amazing pomegranates, like if they're not on your list, you, you don't know what to do with them. So you miss out on, or if, if the, you know, you've, you're planned to making something with broccoli and the broccoli looks really gross, but then the, um, you know, there's amazing cabbage, like you can't, in your mind, just go, oh, I'll just switch. Like you, you go, oh, you're buying the dodgy broccoli, even though because you don't aren't able to make the most of nice produce. And when you're a recipe cook, like it's lots of energy and effort. And oftentimes your meals will be too elaborate. Like you'll think of something, you'll think, oh, that'll be amazing for dinner on Tuesday night. And then you'll have a really crap day and you'll get home and you'll be like, oh, and and you're eating dinner late because it's taking so much time. I think of like um, that Julia and Julie project, cooking all the Julia child recipes and they were eating, you know, getting hammered because they're drinking martinis and eating really late. Like that's the thing when you're following recipes is that the meals can be too elaborate. Um, or there'll, there'll be other nights where you, so you do still persevere and you cook and you have dinner really late or you just think, you know, I'm too tired and you go to plan B and you order a pizza, get whatever and the you know ingredients that you've bought go bad in the fridge. Like sometimes it's fun. Like sometimes you nail it and it feels really good and you're in the zone. But then other times it's a chore and you're like in this, like I don't have time or energy. It's a bit of a love-hate thing with, with cooking when you're relying on recipes. And then the final stage is the you know intuitive joyful cooking stage. So in this stage like you feel excited about cooking and you look forward to it. Like cooking dinner is one of your favorite times of day because you see it as this this is totally how I am. Like I love when it gets to 5:30 in time to cook dinner because like the boys have screen time, I get to go into the kitchen and play around. Like I see it as play. Um you know, I see it as a time to relax and unwind for the day. I listen to a podcast or listen to an audiobook and it's just really fun and I and so someone who's an intuitive, joyful cook, they also, they enjoy thinking about what to have for dinner. So it's not this chore. They do it because they want to. Like, and I have a meal plan because I want to and because it makes my life easier, not because I have to. So it's just a really fun place to be. And it, But not all intuitive cooks would necessarily meal plan. It just, you know, depends on their schedule and what works for them. Um thing when you're a joyful, intuitive cook is you have this repertoire of like simple muscle memory meals. So you don't need to look at a recipe unless you want to before you start cooking. Like you just know in your head, okay, we're going to have a stir fry and I'll need some garlic. I'll need some veggies. I'll need some protein. I'm going to need a sauce. Like you don't need to go back and look at a recipe. That's not saying that you never look at recipes. Like, you know, in joyful cooks like often love cooking so much and they read recipe books like novels like I do, but you just use them as inspiration and fun rather than 
some like something stressful that you need to follow to the letter. Um, the other thing about being a joyful cook is that you know you feel confident when you walk into the kitchen. Like no matter what's happening, that you can pull. Like you just have this confidence that you can pull something together quickly, and it's going to be usually pretty delicious. It's not going to take a lot of effort. The kind of mindset that goes behind being a joyful cooker is like, you know, it's be- actually better when I take care of myself. I'm worth it. And this is fun, you know. Um, they're also not afraid of failure. So they don't get frustrated when something goes wrong. So if they cook something and it's not tasting so great, they're confident that they can fix it because they know how to season and they know how to imp- make things taste better. And they also feel confident because they know that if they do screw up something really badly, like at least they're going to learn something. And they're also not going to beat themselves up and go to this place of like shaming themselves and being mean to themselves. They're going to be like, okay, they'll just move on. And, you know, tomorrow night's another dinner and there's always more things to cook. So that's, that's the three phases. I'm just take a little bit of time now to think about like, which phase are you in? And also like, where would you like to get to? And if, you know, if you are someone that is interested in becoming a joyful cook, there are three essential skills that joyful cooks have that make all the difference. And it's only through like, I've thought about this, I've worked with hundreds of people, thousands of people actually over the years to help them learn how to become confident cooks. And it's these three skills are the things that really make all the difference. So the three skills are having a repertoire of muscle memory meals, so meals that you can just cook from memory. And then the next skill is seasoning. So that's, you know, knowing when something needs more salt, whether it needs more acid or, you know, using herbs and spices to improve the flavor or what I call flavor bombs, like when you're something tasting a bit blah, what you do to make it taste amazing. And then the final skill is substitution. So just knowing, like having that confidence of knowing like, Yep, the I don't have I'm all out of basil, but I can actually, you know, I could just drizzle some of this pesto I've got in the pantry over this and it would it will give me something similar. Or I don't have any basil, but I do have coriander, you know, I can swap that in. So they're the three skills that really make all the difference. And like muscle memory meals, when I talk about that, that first skill, it's it's so great. And another way to think about it is just having like some go-to meals that you can cook that you don't need to think about, that you always have the ingredients for in the house, you know, and that you can just walk into the kitchen, pull them together. And they tend to be things that are pretty quick. Like, you know, it's nothing that's going to take more than 30 minutes. As you know, I love simplicity. So for me, my muscle memory meals, it's a, it's limited number of ingredients, so six ingredients or less. And just having that backbone of these like kind of template recipes that you have as your go-tos are what build that strong foundation of being an intuitive cook. Um, yeah, so they're the, they're the skills. And I just can't emphasize enough how important it is to focus on building skills because skills are something that you will have with you for the rest of your life. Like you think about you learnt, when you learn to ride a bike, like you have that skill for the rest of your life. And even if you don't use it for a while, it's always there for you when you come back. So it's so worth investing on in developing your skills because you have them and they're going to change the trajectory of your life for the rest of your life. Life. And I don't want to spend some time thinking now, like if you actually took the time now to learn these skills, like how different would your life be if you were, were enjoying cooking, if you were excited about cooking and you were doing it on a much more regular basis, like how different would 
what what an impact would that have in like say five years time or ten years time on your health and and on your well being and on on all the all the things because you know food is so important and the firmly believe that one of the best things that we can do for our health is nourish ourselves and provide ourselves with good quality home cooked meals. So just imagine like what a difference that would make if you took some time now to learn these skills and really honed in on them. Um, so key takeaway is if you want to build these skills that you'll have for the rest of your life and become that confident, intuitive cook, then I invite you to join me in my new group coaching program called Joyful Cooking. And it's a 90-day coaching group where I help you learn to feel excited about cooking um, and I help you move through these three phases to become that intuitive, joyful cook. So if you want more details about that, just go to my website, which is thestonesoup.com. There's a link in the show notes. Or if you just Google... Um, stone as in rock and soup as in a bowl of, and then um, just click on the joyful cooking tab and you'll get all the details there. Okay. Have a fantastic week and I will catch you next week. Bye. Before you go, this is the best part. So if you enjoyed joyful eating, subscribe to the podcast and I'd love to send you a copy of my free cookbook called Six Ingredients, 20 Minutes, Simple Whole Foods for Joyful Weeknight Dinners. It's full of easy recipes so delicious they'll satisfy even the biggest food snob. Just Google Stone Soup and you'll find it.